This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My name is Jamie Devitt and you're listening to the Blue Army podcast. My name is Maddie Robson. My name is Chris Phillip. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd. Hello. My name is Derek Combs. My name is Toby Show Silva. My name is Greg Abbott, and you're listening to the Blue Army podcast. Enjoy. All right. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How you doing? You okay? Oh, good, Paul. How are you? Yeah, good. I right, good. I just seen. Have you seen the thing that broke on Twitter just like five minutes ago about these American owners or these these potential American owners coming over? No, I'm not seeing anything. I've not been on no, Twitter I'm, this morning. I um like obviously back in May when I was working there, I remember sort of like just like having a cigarette outside, and there was like some people just saying like, "Oh, there's some American accents over the other side." Like I've not seen American accents and stuff before, and then that's that's right around the time that like I got accused of potentially being a news leak via this via this podcast. So like, it's mental that like nothing's really came out in any kind of news until like today, really, because like the rumours have been going around for ages. Ah, oh, it's come out. Um, so they're at, they were at um, they were at the playoff games. So there's an American family called the Patics, and it's a family. It's not just like one dude. It's like the mum, the dad, the kids, um, all coming to the games. Uh, they were there for the Bradford game, and then they went to Wembley for the uh, for the Carlisle game. And it was all on their Instagram pages and stuff. They were filming videos with the pitch invasions and stuff like that from the Carlisle director's box. And I mean, I'm not sure why it's not broke because obviously the news and staff had the photos and they've had the the opportunity to get to this information. So I'm not sure why it's taken until now for anything to really come out in the papers. But I mean, yeah, it's all coming to the forefront now and uh, there's there's going to be a bit of excitement today, I imagine. No, I've <laughs> never... not seen it. I've not seen any of it, so... No, no, you never heard anything when, when, when you were there at Wembley or anything? You never heard any American accents knocking about? No, we didn't hear anything. No. I seen no. anything, no. No, no it's, it's all interesting. It's all interesting anyway. I just thought, because, you know, it literally just broke this morning. We may as well do a little bit of current, <laughs> current no, news. No, bro, I just haven't, I haven't been on social media this morning, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's probably a good thing, to be honest, man, not getting bogged down and all that kind of stuff. He's waiting by the phone too often now anyway. <laughs> no, yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> Not let wrong. me uh, let me kick things off properly, mate. Let me kick no problem, off mate. And I'll uh, I'll introduce you. All 
Great Maras, how's it going? And welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. This is, of course, episode 120. And because it's such a fantastic milestone, I have to give you a bit of a treat. We're doing a bonus episode this week, two episodes in one week. Can you believe it? And let me introduce you to the man joining me in this episode. It's Carlisle United's lucky charm, the Irish legend, that is Mr. Jamie Devitt. Welcome back, mate. Thanks for joining us. Good to be back again, mate. Good to be back. You're looking fit and healthy. Uh, I've noticed, obviously, that you've been doing bits and bobs. Um, You've been doing little bits on your social media. There's a fan question about that, Uh, so we'll get round to that in just a few minutes. But first, you know, you've been here before. Uh, It's customary to kick things off with a bit of a warm-up. So uh, let's do the warm-up, mate. Let's do the warm-up. Now, I'm I'm actually impressed that I've managed to do three of these now without repeating myself. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's get warmed up, mate. Let's get warm-up. So basically, for the people that haven't been around before, the warm-up is just a series of very quick fire questions, two choices, and uh, yeah, you know, we'll judge Jamie on his answers. (laughs) So we've got the first question, mate. Gerard or Lampard? Gerard. Oh, <laughs> I do like the two, the two of them are good, unbelievable players. But I have to go, Gerard. How would you How would you solve the England problem? You know, do you think the diamond was the answer in the end? Because like, there's so much debate about like how 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 could you put a system together to make Gerard and Lampard work? I don't know. You couldn't have had a diamond really because you had Beckham. Well, I'd play like yeah, I'd just play Rooney up front on his own, and then I'd have a five man midfield. I'd have a, have like an anchor. Beckham would be out right. But then you've got like yeah. an anchor, like a carrick or something. But we just never had a left wing, did we? We just never had a left wing. Um, bourbons or custard creams? Bourbons. Yeah, it has to be done. Uh, yeah, Laser choc- Quest. Chocolate. You are a chocolate fiend. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime there was brownies, you'd have the brownie, but you wouldn't have custard on it, eh? <laughs> no, I'd have a little bit of custard. Oh, just I'd a have, little bit. I'd have more cream, though, wouldn't I? <laughs> if you had a choice. I'd yeah, be cream, if- yeah. Yeah, you'd be asking for cream, yeah, you'd be asking for cream. <laughs> <laughs> Try and sneak it without the nutritionist yeah. seeing it. Oh, Jesus, uh, yeah. <laughs> laser Quest or Mini Golf? Um, I've been Mini Golf more than Laser Quest, so I'd say Mini Golf. I yeah, do like yeah. both. I do like both. Yeah, yeah, very different, but fun. Like, I imagine you're doing a lot of it over the summer. <laughs> yeah, non-stop. non-stop. Uh, rock and roll or hip-hop and R&B? Hip-hop and R&B. Hip hop and R and B. I like all music. I'm a weirdo like that. Anything could be under it. it. Could be classical at some stage, and I'd like I'd sit and listen to that. Honestly, it could be whatever mood I'm in. It's different. I could yeah. sit and listen to love songs. I could listen to metal songs. Don't know. It just depends on the mood I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that. I'm like that as well. I don't like to discriminate any kind of music. Like, yeah, I think there's there's moments there's moments for every genre. You know what I mean? There's perfect. Honestly, moments for every everyone. Genre. Yeah. Um, four four two or four three three, four three three because I can oh. be the lazy, the lazy one behind the striker. <laughs> <laughs> is that a rule? Is it? Is that what you call it? The lazy one behind the striker. Well, not the lazy one. The one that tries creating behind the striker. We'll call it the shadow striker. Is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> the one that gets to just float around a little bit, float around like a shadow, not actually touch yeah. the ball. <laughs> just plays uh, off the striker, trying to create chances for him. <laughs> oh, do you prefer the new home kit or the new away kit? The new home kit. 
Yeah, just haven't come around blue. to the away one yet. Are you still haven't? Still haven't come around to it yet. It's iconic, like it's gone up. It's gone up there with the deck chair. It's so popular, like it, it's getting spotted everywhere. When uh, not when? Well, yeah, Wembley eventually. Fingers crossed. Um, but you know, like Wimbledon and and all kinds of events. All kinds of events has been kicking off. You can't get your hand on them for love nor money. You really can't. You really can't. Uh, I don't know how they're going to top it next season. Um, Hollywood blockbusters or indie films? Um, I'm not really a film man, but I'd probably I'd have to say Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah, like the big not... Marvel movies kind of thing. You get stuck yeah, well, watching them with the kids. Little, little man loves the Marvel, so it'll be all them, yeah. But <laughs> I'm not really a massive film fan because I'll just fall asleep. <laughs> They're too long, yeah. They're too long, too long to concentrate on, yeah. Um, and the last one, mate, is Ronaldo or Messi? No, I can't answer it. <laughs> I'll never. I, I don't like answering never... them. The, the two of them are. I can can. I think we just need to applaud the two of them. You're never going to see a two players like that in our generation ever again. So I hate comparing them because they're both just freaks of nature and what in the football <laughs> industry and what they've done. So I just appreciate got, appreciate the it, both of them. Yeah, do you think Haaland's going to be up there towards the end as well? Do you think he's going to be in that in that question? I reckon he has to be probably if he keeps doing what he's doing. But it's long way to place. long long way to go before you put him in with them too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the most diplomatic answer you could probably give to uh, Ronaldo or Messi. <laughs> I don't so like I... saying one over the other. I, d- uh. I just I don't know what it is. I just I love the two of them. I love the two of them for what they've done for the game. <laughs> I'd say after after a fantastic answer to that one, you're well and truly warmed up, mate. So uh, yeah. we'll dive in to the listeners' questions. But before we do, I mean, I've got a question for you, mate. I just have to answer this. You're a Go part on of then, the, mate. You, you, were, you were a part of the changing room last season. You know, you, you've been to Harrogate, okay? You know what's going to come <laughs> now. What's the crack with Harrogate? Like, why are we? Why are they the bogey team? What is it? Is this? Is there something? Is is like something unnerving about them? Or is it an overconfidence thing? Do we always think we're going to beat them? Like, what? What in your experience, anyway? What's? How do you get bogey teams? I honestly, I haven't a clue. I remember when I was at Morecambe, we couldn't beat Accrington. They'd never, they, they hadn't beat Accrington in I don't know how long. But then we'd never been beat off South End. So I remember going to South End away. We got. Battered the whole game. We ended up winning one now. Don't it just these freak things that happen to football, I think. Um listen, the league's the most important thing. Everyone wants to go through in the cup and, and try to get a big tie in that. But I think Carlisle's focus has to be has to be on the league this year and, and just trying to do as well as they can in the league that there's a lot of big teams in. So listen, it it's frustrating and disappointing to go out. But I think the league has to be the the, the main focus. Yeah, I think that's but as you con- say, it's just a bogey team, isn't it? <laughs> it's a, they can't it's explain a, them, can you? It feels it worse be- because obviously Edmore missed the penalty, which is you know like not likely to happen. To completely put a penalty off target, you don't see it happen often anymore. And then obviously you know Mellish had that chance from just outside the area, came off the goalkeeper's the leg, bar, came yeah. off the crossbar. And it's it's just like, you know, them two things combined with the fact that it's your bogey team just really rubs salt into the wound. Because, you, you know, they're, they're your winning goals, they are. They're the turnaround goals. And sometimes just... it's sometimes it can be mentality as well. When you see Mellish hitting the bar like that, sometimes you can half think to one of them, one of them again. Are we ever going to, we ever going to beat this? You know what it's like? It's like last year, Hunt's doing his back pass. It's not, it's not Hunt's that, is it? 
that. It's just these freak <laughs> freak things that can happen in a game, and they seem to happen against Harrogate. So, listen, I'm sure the lads will be disappointed. The gaffer will be disappointed, but they need to come in and train and just get it out of systems because they've got a tough, tough couple of games coming up with Oxford and, and Wigan. So it's the sooner they can get it out of system, the better. Um, I mean, like obviously under different managers, there'll be different rules when it comes to who gets to take penalties and things like that. Um, Taylor Charters looked like he really wanted to take that penalty. Obviously, Edmore being the lead striker on the pitch at that time, it makes sense for him to step up and take that penalty. Have you ever been in an argument when it comes to um, like 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 potentially taking a penalty? Have you witnessed something maybe get out of hand? Or is that taken out of your hands, at least with Simo potentially, because he tells you that's my penalty taker today? Or, or like, how does that get handled? Obviously, I'm not in the dressing room, so I don't know what whether the gaffer had... His penalty take or whatever. We had Deno last year and Deno was mm. anything don't think Deno's ever missed a penalty, to be honest with you, in professional football. Um, so it was obviously Deno was taking our penalties last year and that was it. But you have instances that off. Sometimes managers don't give a specific penalty taker. Um it's literally down to the manager really to decide. But obviously Deno was took ours like I think it was Gibbo at first, and because Deno had started the season on fire. I think it was Gibbo that actually said to Deno, as Gibbo's a team player, you're the one that's you're on fire at the minute and your record's better than my record, so you take them. But sometimes you can have players that'll just say, I'm taking them, whether they've missed, whether they've scored. But then it's then it comes down to the manager to decide if he, if he sees something that he thinks is a better option. But I I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm guessing the gaffer will have... Somebody down as a penalty taker now, so we'll I'm sure we'll we'll see come Saturday. <laughs> I, I obviously wasn't them. at the game I wasn't at the game last night, so I don't know. I didn't see Taylor wanting the penalty. I've only seen literally the highlights this morning and mm. and that was it. So I c I can't even I can't even comment what, what happened really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, what what else has been cool in like the last couple of games is that like, you just mentioned him. Gibbo's been given the opportunity to play a little bit further up the field as well. Um, I mean, is that something he's always kind of ambitions for? Like during training, is he always sort of like maybe asked if he can do a bit more shooting drills and not being the guy that whips it into the box? Yeah, no, Gibbo's. I, I played with Gibbo at Bradford, and obviously when I came here, he played with him here as well. But Gibbo was an the talent Gibbo has and honestly some of the stuff he does on the training ground and in games is unbelievable and he can he can go to another level again he just he needs to come I think he needs that goal I seen the mm. chance he had on Saturday if that goes in it just gives you confidence it's like when I first joined Carlisle everything I hit was hitting the post the bar it just wouldn't go in and sometimes you can become a mental thing of it's it just won't happen for me instead of just getting that goal and then kicking on again. But everything I've seen from Saturday from Gibbo, he was excellent on in the game on Saturday. And he's going to get better and better. And I think it's it's more Gibbo attacking. He likes coming central, picking up good areas, getting on the ball. And he has loads of confidence. So, listen, I think if he can build on what he done Saturday, I heard he was excellent. And the clips I've seen of him on Saturday, he was excellent. So hopefully he can, he can build on that. And I reckon he can be a big, big player for Carlisle this year. 
I think so. Like the runs that he was making into the box were really good runs into the box. He was normally the first Carlisle player into the box as well. And obviously last season we're used to him sort of like sitting just outside the area and maybe hoping the ball will break to him because he scored a couple of worldies like that at his yeah. Carlisle. Like so, he's got that in his locker. But to see him going into the box, he looks sharp. He's beating his man. He's the first one in there. So like I only think it's a matter of time for him to sort of like yeah, like you said, get that goal and really get the momentum going. Million um, but- percent. I will dive into the listeners' questions now, mate. Uh, Luke J said, and this is a good one, uh, you've got a crazy combination of cereals um, <laughs> in a bowl for breakfast, but what do you put on toast? <laughs> Just butter and jam. Is that it? <laughs> I don't mind a banana on toast. I don't mind a banana on toast, but... Mainly just butter and jam, yeah. I've not got any mad things like that. <laughs> it's not like one slice of white, one slice of brown. Nah. Different toppings on. <laughs> you know, nah, just, just butter and jam or a bit of banana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David M wants to know, do you have any more haggis stories? And I know you, you're getting put on the spot with that question. Haggis? Oh, not really. Obviously, I've been going into Carlisle pre-season to get fit and stuff like that. And I've seen him a couple of times. I drove in last week. And he didn't see me coming behind. And I was obviously driving in. I just slammed on the horn and I, he nearly <laughs> jumped he nearly jumped out his welly boots. But <laughs> I don't think I can say the language that he used to me on here, but he wasn't it wasn't nice. But no, he's, honestly, he's people that's around the club and it's it's people like that that make a football club. I've always Always said people like Haggis, the kit men, the women that walk in the shop, the women that walk upstairs, the chefs, they're all massive, massive part of a football club. And that's when I think that's how we had our success last year was just everyone becoming one team. And it's not about just the 11 on the pitch because you can't do it without having good food, without having people looking after you off the pitch. So every single person in the football club is important. Well said. Um, John P wants to know, uh, do you plan on doing more videos with your lads um, and would you ever start a YouTube series? All we've done is videos in the back garden. Okay. Um, listen, we he loves playing football and I love playing football, so we just go out and have a laugh out the back garden and uh, starting to do some forfeits of red arse at the minute. Uh, <laughs> I think it's content, one... Like, I think it's... Stuff. I think it's one all at the minute. So we listen. We've got we always just go out the back and mess about. But sometimes don't even. A lot of the times don't use the phone. It was just we threw a video up and it got an alright reaction. So we just done a few more and we like having a laugh. To be honest, just we'll we'll always do videos, but I'm, I don't think I ever do a YouTube because I don't think I'll have enough people to do them and hopefully I'm back in work soon so I won't have time to do it all <laughs> <laughs> well they look they look really genuine do you know what I mean they don't look staged at all it just looks like you know a father and son just enjoying themselves basically well we just give listen Mason just some of the stuff that he comes out I think he's been around the football lads too much he comes out with some stuff and I'm like oh Mason you can't you can't say that or, <laughs> or whatever he, he's honestly so joy witted he's he takes things so so good. I'll tell you a little one. We were in, he was in the players' lounge with me, with my missus and my little girl. And there was a fan in there, and the fan came over to him and was like, um, Oh, I couldn't um, mistake you for who, for being Jamie Devitt's son. And he was like, Why? Because I've got big teeth like my dad. <laughs> and the poor man went red. 
he, he was so. I mean, Mrs. was like, oh, he's only messing. But Mason was only messing. The, the man thought he was thing. He was like, I'm only messing. Yeah, he, he he can take banter really good, which I think has been around the lads sometimes a lot. Because he used to come yeah. in sometimes to train them with me every now and again. And he's he has good laughs like that. So he's Is just he like one of my mates. He just plays for his team. He play, He goes to Luke Joyce. They used to play. He has an academy, so he goes to Joyce's academy as well, and and that's so he just enjoys it. Yeah, I mean, you played with Joyce as well, didn't you? Yeah, I'm still really close with Joyce. So I see him tonight. They have a game tonight, so it's good just to keep in touch with yeah. them sort of people as well because Joyce is one of one of the best lads you'll meet. Um, Ian Mack. Uh, this is the last listener's question, by the way. Uh, what's no the note? Who was your best and worst managers so far? Best and worst. Best. It's hard to put. You always, I think you always have to look back and you'll always learn off all the managers that you've had, good or bad, whether there's some things you don't agree on or there's things that you'll nitpick out that you can progress further in your career, stuff like that. I can't really say the, the best manager I've had, but people I look back to it as like Jim Bentley, the time when I was probably coming at like not enjoying football. He made me he made me love it again and, and fall back in love with it. There's Keith Core was brilliant. I loved Keith. Simo obviously what we done last year. There's just Listen, I enjoy my time with every Carlisle manager, with Jim. I've had so many. Paul Cook was brilliant. Um, obviously, I was at Blackpool with Neil Critchley. I've never never played a game at Blackpool, but Critch was an unbelievable coach. And there's, there's things I took out of his sessions that I loved. And a lot of times, if you don't play under managers, you half think, I don't like him. But Critch was different for some reason. He was he was really, really good with me. And he looked after me when the club didn't really want me to be there. I'm sure we'll get into that with Blackpool anyway, but I can't really say good and bad managers because I've, I've learned off every single manager I've had, whether it be something good or something that I wouldn't take forward in my coaching or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that, that's the listeners' questions for you, mate. They'll always try and put you on the spot and try and dig no, someone I, out. Like... Apologies, I can't <laughs> answer like, name-wise, but honestly, there's... Every manager I've walked under, Nigel Pearson, for instance, gave me my debut. There's loads I've learned off him, and he was brilliant with me. So, just so many, honestly, it's hard to to pinpoint any. <laughs> right, we'll we'll dive back into the main focus being on your career. Um, we'll pick up from where we kind of left things in part two. Uh, so we're going into the 2017-2018 season. Really doesn't feel like that long ago. Well, because it wasn't that long ago. Um, you're 27 years old. It's your second season at Carlisle United. Uh, you said yourself last time that if it wasn't for the fact that you had a two-year contract, you wouldn't have blamed Carlisle United for letting you go at the end of that year um so going into your second season during your first spell at Carlisle was there anything that you did differently to prepare yourself um don't think so um I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything different no um it can just be a learning thing it can be one of them things that 
I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint anything. I didn't do anything different. There was nothing specific. Um, just went in probably a mentality of going in and knowing that it needs to something needs to it needs to be better than last year. Really, um, I remember doing that interview. It was literally stood outside the main entrance, and I remember saying it to the news and star, just saying, "I don't think I'd be here if I had a one year contract." So. I need to prove people that I deserve to be here. And it just, yeah. luckily, it didn't, it worked out after that. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, like, whatever you changed, even if it was just a mentality change, it, it, it changed overnight. I don't, I think the previous season you hadn't even got on the score sheet. And no. then the next season you were the top league goal scorer, but you had major competition for that with Danny Granger, who was firing <laughs> goals in left, right, and centre. Now, obviously, you fancy yourself as a bit of free, t- a free kick taker, and rightly so. You know, you've managed to score a few free kicks in your time, but. Danny Granger's left foot is a thing of mythological legend. Um, how, how, you know, you're the you're the attacker. You're on the hottest goal scoring form of your career so far. Um, like, how do you sort of negotiate, like trying to get on free kicks when Danny Granger's banging them in like that? Like, don't look. Surely, as a goal scorer, you want to be getting a bit more free kick duty. I'm pretty sure one of the goals you scored that season was a free kick as well. Yeah, no, Danny was probably one of my best mates at, when I was at Carlisle. He was um. He was my roommate when I first joined. He he put me in a room with him. Um, he was obviously the captain of the club, and we got on unbelievable, and we still do to this day. But it's just in training, we take some free kicks after training. Um, we'd practice different things, and it was just one of them. If if I fancied it more than Danny, I'd tell him. If he fancied it more than me, he'd tell me. If we both fancied it. Danny is captain, so Danny probably took it. <laughs> um, was it like was it like a like a right in swinger or a left out swinger kind of thing? Like if it was more on the right side, would you get it? Because obviously Danny Grange is famously more of a left footed player, but obviously um, you're a bit more on both sides. You know, have you decided uh, what your strongest foot is yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, I don't know really because I remember the Morecambe one, the Morecambe free kicker scored was more on Danny's side. Aye, but as we were lined up it sort of opened up a little bit more for me to go around the wall by the way the wall was situated. Um, and I remember Danny wanted that one. <laughs> and I was like, I-, I want this one. And he just said to me, well, you better score in the nicest <laughs> way. Um, and luckily it went in. But no, it was literally, we were so close that we trusted each other. If someone fancied it, and it worked out all right, because I think the ones that he fancied, he he probably scored the one I fancied. I, I probably scored a few of them. So, it, listen, you have to be a team, as I always say. And luckily it worked out that we got a few goals each. Yeah, and your freakish left foot. It's like it's like over over the years we've been treated to like the Ian Hart, the Paul Simpsons, and then the Danny Granges as well. There's something to yeah. do with left-sided free kick takers and Carlisle United that just, I don't know, go, go hand in hand. Um, I know. No, you had, you had a fantastic season that season. Like we said, you were the league's top, uh, Carlisle's league top goal scorer. I don't want to give you too much acclaim. Um, <laughs> and I you didn't score till the... the November, I don't think. <laughs> I think it was one of them. I remember the game, it was Colchester away. And I came on at half time. And it was literally, I think I played a front for the second half. And it was just, I think it was James Brown maybe played the ball over the top. And I made a run that I don't usually make a run in behind because I haven't got much pace. 
I just felt nice and luckily I went in and then the game after I think I took a pen I think I'm sure I took the penalty in the next game I think it was Wickham maybe um, and then obviously just kicked on a little bit after that yeah, I mean, you, you bought yourself a lot of acclaim, uh, so there's a lot of interest in you, uh, but you decided to go and sign for Blackpool. Nobody would blame you for wanting to challenge yourself at a higher level, but you were offered um, a new deal at Carlisle United. Did Keith Curl turning his deal down affect your decision, or was it very much a decision that you made for the like the betterment of your family, really? I could assume there would have been a bit of a an increase. No, I think it was Stephen Presley was the manager at the time I left. All right. Um, the year Keith left the year before that. I still had a year left when Keith left. I still had a year when Shez and Shez came in, and then Stephen Presley came in halfway through the season, oh, and then we finished Presley. the season. Um, how'd you get on with Presley? Well, he made me skipper, didn't he? So I loved him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I got on. As I say, I got on with nearly all the managers I had. So. It was I got on all right with Stephen. I think um I think he was really obviously the fans have probably different views than what the players did. But I thought he did he did well when he was there regarding on what he was given and stuff like that. So it's tough really. He was the one that brought Jared through. Yeah. He was the one that gave Jared his chance and I remember training with Jared and it was me and Kelvin that went up to Stephen and was like you, you you need to give him a chance because he's. I remember it was Hallam one time playing against him in eleven v eleven on a Friday. Um, knocked up past Jared and Jared just went put his hand out and just went yeah come on past me. And and I think he like was 17, fi- 16. 15. 15. F- fifteen at the time and it was one of them where me and Calvin was like, you're gonna have to start including him here because he's he's as good as everybody that was here. So. I think Stephen was very, very good, but sometimes had just too much information maybe when we were in League Two of he was so detailed and I don't think every everybody could take it on board and how detailed he was. Yeah, it, so it, it was it was tough. It was he wasn't the most popular manager during his time at Carlisle United, but he he had a really difficult job to do. He he was basically trying to rebuild a team to then go forward. But sometimes you have to take a few back steps and sometimes those back steps will swallow you up and you'll end up losing your job before you even get the chance to keep stepping forward. And it is exactly, one of those... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was one of those situations for him. Um, I don't know why my lines have got crossed with who was in charge and when. But... <laughs> You're all right. It was, sure uh, it was one of them where Stephen was only able to offer one-year deals at the time. The club mm. was only doing one-year deals where... Holdsworth, so they were only oh, given right. one year deals out. So he's obviously, I got offered a new deal, which was one year, and so did a few other people. But in football, we know what happens one year if you're getting offered two year deals somewhere else. Um, when you're in them low leagues, you, you need to think about your family. You have, you have to, you can't let the love for a football club sometimes. Your family has to come first, and it's. I, I do get it's hard for some fans to realise that, but I always say to fans, if if you have two jobs, and one's giving you security for two years and more money than the job that's giving you one year on less money, what what are you gonna do for your family? You have to think of your family at the end of the day. Um, as tough as it is, but I I didn't want to leave Carlo. They offered me. 
a one-year deal. It was on it was on good money, but I wanted a two-year deal. I thought I deserved yeah. a two-year deal after after the two or three years that I was there. So at the time, the club probably couldn't give out two-year deals just for the way they wanted to go at that time. And for me and my family, I needed to I needed to take the the two-year deal. Yeah, I mean, like we as fans, we were, we were watching the club kind of struggle to keep hold of any players. Recruitments were becoming double figures regularly every summer. We'd have to bring in like ten players and rebuild the team again. The league positioning was slipping and slipping and slipping further down the table, and that that was kind of just like close to the start of it. Basically, it was only like two or three years into like Holdsworth doing those one year deals and things like that. So, like we we were frustrated as fans because. You know, we know it's difficult to keep people up here, but when you've got somebody that actually cares about the area, then just give them a bit more money. <laughs> you know, no, it wasn't all, it was, it was I, I, give them, the give them, give them, give them the extra year. Sorry, give it them the extra two year. Years. It was all, all they asked for was the extra yeah. year. Give them and the extra was, year. It was just one of them where they couldn't do it. And I remember ringing Stephen. I remember I was outside the hospital because my little girl was. We were having a scan for my little girl. And I remember having to make the phone call and it was a tough, really tough phone call to Stephen because I got on really well with him. Um, and he was, he totally understood that I needed to look after my my family. So that was how that ended really. And then looking back now, I can't say I regret it because it benefited my family, but I regret having to leave the football club because since then it's it's not been very good, shall we say. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get into a bit of that, but like, um, when 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 you left Carlisle United, obviously in in the sort of like weeks leading up to it, um, we all know now in retrospect that you signed with Blackpool, but like, talk us through what it's like, uh, when your contract was expiring, your hot property, you know, obviously you've scored a load of goals, uh, that season, you're looking really good, um, it, the reputation's probably got out the bag that you've you've turned things around in your personal life as well you, you're you not doing the things that you were doing in your early 20s and everyone loves a renaissance story um, was, there, was, there, was there more clubs than just Blackpool in, uh, looking for you uh, and why in the end did you end up picking Blackpool? I remember having about 20 contract offers maybe from 20 wow. different clubs or probably more, most of League 2 and then there was I think I had a contract nearly from every League 2 team, probably. Mm. Um, I met with a couple of the managers, a couple of managers, and and then I was probably close to going to Swindon or, or Plymouth with Ryan Lowe or Richie Wellens because I'd met them a couple of times and they sort of said which way they wanted to play and I, I loved what way they wanted to play. Um and then I got a phone call saying that Blackpool were interested. Obviously, I I was moving to that area anyway. Mm. Um, I met the manager, sat down with him, had a great conversation, and and then we had to sit. And that was a higher league. It was it was perfect, really. Everything ticked every single box, and then. Obviously, it didn't. It didn't go the way. <laughs> well, before we dive into that, like I've got a murky waters kind of question that a lot of football fans just won't be clued in on, and it might be because it is a murky waters kind of thing. At yeah, what yeah. point? Because obviously, you're under contract with the football club until the June normally, right? The end of June is yeah, normally yeah. when the, when. So, at what point is our people allowed to start talking to you? I think when you've got. Oh. I think once the season ends, 
So like like last game of the season, then no one's going to be like, oh, you you're tapping him up or anything. Like all those allegations yeah. for, but it's like an unwritten. Rule. I honestly, yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you. It's weird. I, I really, I don't know the rule, but listen, every every player to speak to clubs when the season's finished, because you're looking for a football club. So I'm guessing yeah. you're allowed to speak to them once the season finishes. Um, but yeah, it's the minute the season finishes. Obviously, you, you, most players have got an agent, so they're probably doing it in the background anyway. Mm. Um, the way things work nowadays, they're probably doing it. They're probably doing it within the year, every bloody game, knowing what agents are like. But I think it's when the season finishes is when you can go and speak to managers and and sort of sit down with managers. Or it could be when if you've got six months left in your contract, you can speak to other clubs. Or, it's so, I'm I'm honestly not too sure on the rule. Yeah, it's a murky it one. It could be, it could be six months. But if you're under twenty four, you you're screwed basically because you can't sign for another club. If so, if I'm trying to say, for instance, say for instance Taylor Charters in the summer. I don't know what's Taylor, 22. If he wanted to go and sign for a different club in the summer um, and he rejected Carlisle's bid, that club would have to pay a fee because he's under 24 and Carlisle have have looked after him for so many years. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Uh, oh, can't remember the name. It's like they have to pay a fee, basically. It'll go to a court because Carlisle have produced him as a player and stuff like that. But after over twenty four, you I think you're free to speak to any club and yeah, basically like that. But I'm sure it's after January. Could be after January. I mean it's 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 probably one of those things that like, yeah, after January they'll start talking to your agent, but potentially your agent won't tell you until the last game of the season, maybe, so you don't get that. So then you hear, the, you hear the players not marked. Every, yeah, but you a lot of players can hear things during yeah. If if you're coming to the end of your contract and you're not getting offered a new contract or the club aren't offering you a new contract, in League Two, you're not earning massive money. You you need to pay your mortgage at the end of the day. So you you need to have that. You need your agent to be working for to have options for you come the summer. Yeah. So like, I think people think that you're earning thousands and thousands a week. In League Two, you don't. You really, really don't. And you need, I'm struggling being out of work at the minute. So people, you don't, you can't be out of work. It's, it's not like you've got an endless pot of money. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, really tough. So players are worried. Players are really worried about providing for their families. Yeah, yeah. And you need, you need to be given the opportunity to go away and speak to other people as early as possible. So you can I, I think it could be January. Yeah, I, I think if you're over 24, I'm sure it's January. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it is. Once you've right, six so months left. Yeah, it makes it makes. I think that's the football manager rule, but you don't know. Do you know what I mean? No, I think <laughs> like, once you've six Normally months you left and you're over 24. Up. Yeah. Okay. Now, don't get me okay. wrong. I'm sure agents can do it when they've got, as you know, with Premier League players and Championship, they've got three years left on the deal. They're getting touted around, and mm. it's probably, as you say, an unwritten rule that these things happen, but. I'm sure League One and League Two. It's if you've got six months left, you can start speaking to clubs. Yeah, 
Um, so you've got your spades, you've got your buckets, you're taking the family <laughs> all the way down to Blackpool with the promise of donkey rides and ice creams. Uh, it all sounds perfect on paper. You've got yourself the two-year deal that you always wanted. You've signed with manager Terry McPhillips at yeah. the time. And as quick as you signed it, he's gone. Uh, he resigns pretty much like what, like a week later. Um, like there wasn't a lot of time week, between yeah. you signing the deal. One week later, he resigns. And I mean, you're left a bit in the lurch. Obviously, there's a new manager that's going to come in. You're a footballer. That's that's football. I'm sure you'll be able to impress the new manager and find a way into the team. But you never made an appearance for Blackpool. Um, so. What happens to Terry at first? That's the first question. Like, what what kind of happened with Terry? Um, when you signed the deal, was there any kind of inclination that a week later it was going to go sour? Absolutely not. No, um, <sighs> he had a he obviously had a plan for the club. Um, was there a week done first week of the running and just little bits really, and then all of a sudden he was gone. He never, he never said anything. I think he just had a disagreement with the owner. The new owner came in and, and wanted something else, basically. And and that was that. And I was left in limbo. I remember my little girl was born during that pre-season, so I missed a couple of days anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to Scotland where the lads went in St. Andrews. And my little girl went into hospital for something. So I missed going up with the lads on the bus and ended up driving up later that night. And I remember it was literally Simon Grayson took over. And that was the first time we met him was on that trip. I remember driving up and he didn't even know me now. And I just thought, oh, no. It was probably after being so confident after leaving Carlisle, having all the contract offers, having people wanting me and, and stuff like that, to then signing for a club and new manager sort of comes in and doesn't know who you are and you just think I didn't know what to think basically and then I think it just shot me confidence straight away um, yeah and that was that really I, I knew I was on the way out the door already so did you th- did you think that um, potentially you know you being a Terry uh, what was his name Terry McPhillips signing and him like having that falling out with the board did that kind of like were you tarred with that same brush like you're his signing you're his last new signing do you feel like you were kind of tarred with that brush as well? Um, I don't know really because there was three or four of us that he signed and I don't think many of us made an appearance for the club. I think there was Ryan Edwards made maybe a couple. Mm. Um, Ryan Hardy ended up going to Plymouth. Um, there was someone else, um, and not many of us really made an appearance. I think there was only two lads at Terry signed that ended up playing for the club more. But other than that, it was <laughs> that was it really. I remember the the week in Scotland was a disaster. I hated it. I just didn't enjoy it at all. Um, came back and I just wasn't enjoying any of it after. Obviously. Having the season that I had, it was, it was just sort of knocked me. To be fair, proper yep. knocked me confidence. You've always been the sort of footballer that wants to earn his bread. Uh, you want to be playing football. You don't want to be sat on the bench and outside of the squad. So you did manage to get a loan deal uh, to Bradford City, uh, but you only made a few appearances for them. Was that like? Uh, was that? Was that? 
hampered by injury or was 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 the opportunity not given to you to go out on loan until later in the season? No, I literally I think we had a game on a Saturday, the first league game. I wasn't involved. The Tuesday night, he brought me all the way to Gillingham and I didn't didn't make the bench. And on the Monday, I remember a few clubs rang up asking if I could go on loan. And then after the Gillingham, when I went in on the Wednesday, on the Wednesday, I think I went to see him. And I just said, listen, I can't not play football after having enjoying myself playing football. I said, I can't do it. Um, he was already, he just said, go and play. Got X, Y, Z who wants to take you. Um, so just, it's up to you. So I spoke to Gary Bowyer at Bradford and he wanted me to come in. So I remember going in on the Thursday or the fr- Thursday, maybe. I played on, on the Saturday, I came on a half time. Um, and I'd not played hardly any minutes in the preseason, so I was basically catching up on on fitness. So I came on a half time, played forty five minutes, and we had Bolton in the in the cup on the Tuesday. And he wasn't going to play me, Gary. And then he just said before he said, "I think you need to get some minutes." Um, so we're going to play you for forty five minutes just to give you some minutes. How are you feeling? And I was like, "I feel all right. Don't feel too bad." Like. Um, and literally, I think it was 10 minutes into the game, I ruptured my hamstring, done what I did for Carlisle just at the Salford game there. Yeah. It was the first time I ever done it. I'd never been in so much pain. I remember having to drive home and I could hardly drive. Luckily, I had an automatic car. I, was, I wouldn't have been able to go home. I was in that much pain. I didn't realise that it literally... I damaged my sciatic nerves at the same time as doing my hamstring and that was why I was in so much pain and I missed three, four months maybe then and then it was it was lockdown. Basically I missed the three months, came back and then lockdown happened. So it was just basically a nightmare. <laughs> just a nightmare. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Just a disaster. Well, you dragged yourself through to the end of that season and obviously you got another pre-season under your belt. So like by by the start of the new season, your second year at Blackpool, you're feeling fit again. Uh, was that was Neil Critchley came in that summer? Neil Critchley came in in the summer, yeah. So you must have started to feel a little bit more positive. This is the reason why I signed for Blackpool. Maybe I'm going to get a chance this kind of time. I'm getting on well with the manager again. Uh, I've recovered from injury. They've got nothing um, to mar my reputation anymore um, so how comes you couldn't just push your way into that squad and you ended up going out on loan to Newport County Um. well basically I got I think it was in that summer they offered to pay me up hmm. they didn't they just didn't they didn't want me at the football club basically they just I think not down to Critch I think he just the football club wanted certain people gone out of club to it for finance wise and he could bring his own players in or whatever but I said I'm not I didn't want to take the pay up at the time I wanted to try obviously come in and and fight for my place or whatever but it was, the board never <laughs> didn't really allow that to happen I came in in pre-season didn't do great in pre-season didn't do I didn't have a train it's hard to really say what went on but it was one of them where I was just never given a proper chance and I wasn't down to to Critchley because I remember Critchley I rejected 
three or four pay-ups maybe. Um, they wanted me going on loan. They said clubs have made an offer for me to go, little things like that. And I was like, I, I, I don't want to go. Um, and I remember literally pulling me in and just saying, you probably you're not gonna get much game time. You're not gonna play. Um, you can stay. You can fight for your place and do all this or whatever. He said, but it you're not gonna play. Basically, he said the chief executive wants me to put you with the the U team to try. He said, but you have not done anything wrong. Your attitude, everything's been spot on. So I've told him there's no chance you're going with the U team. He just said as long as you play yourself right in training and. And have a good attitude, he said, I'll help you as much as I possibly can. And I always have respect for him for that. Um, but I just got to the point again where I wanted to play. And uh, I knew Flinney from playing with Flinney at Bradford and he rang me with the chance to go to Newport. So I went down there. Yeah, I mean, like, was 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 did you, what did you do to the chairman? Like, what did you do to the owners? To like, it was know, the chief. Like... It was just the chief executive at the time. Um, just an ass. I listen. I don't. I won't say too much. But <laughs> he, he he was an agent. He was an agent when I was at Hull at the time, and right. he had a couple of he had a couple of the Hull lads, and I never signed with him, and he never really. I think he just had a perception of me from. Me whole days, really, because okay. he came in. When I was injured, he came in to meet the players, and I was in the physio room. And I remember him coming in and saying something really, really smart. Um, and I just laughed it off, really. But a few of the lads were like, well, what's, that, what, what's that about? Like, um, So basically, it was just, I think he just had a grudge against me from that and, and couldn't really get over it because... Just the way you spoke to me or whatever, it, it wasn't the way you speak to an adult, really. So I knew I just had to get out of there, really. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, you did go out on loan with Newport, uh, but in the in the January, you know, you got. Did you get paid up? Did you be what, what's what's a mutual te- um, what's it called mutual termination of your contract? Does that mean you get paid up? And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For both parties, just kind of go, let's go our separate ways. No, basically, you get you get an offer to get paid up, really. So I, mm-hmm. I got paid up the rest of, rest of my deal there. Um, I loved it down at, at Newport. I loved, on, obviously, I had Kev Ellie down there, Kev Ellison. I obviously played with Flinney. I had Mark O'Brien, who I'd grew up with. 
I loved it down. Honestly, loved my time down there. But at the time, we had Scott Twine, and he was playing in my position, and he hmm. he was flying at the time. Um, he was doing really, really well. So I wasn't really playing much. So I wanted to play. Flynn knew I wanted to play, and I'm still really close to Flynn now. We're, we're good mates, so. I just he knew I had to come back up this way for family reasons anyway, um, and it, it turned out to be Barrow. <laughs> I mean, like, so when you signed for Barrow, you put it out on your Twitter. Uh, you said, "I won't do an Irish accent, don't worry." I said, um, "Buzzing, it's all sorted, and I can't wait to get going." Hashtag Bluebirds. Your profile picture was you in a Carlisle shirt. Um, did, did did you not realise Carlisle and Barrow were rivals or were you just not sure where Barrow was? I didn't have a clue to be honest with you. <laughs> I honestly didn't have a, I didn't have a clue. Um, at that time in my career I was all over the place basically. I didn't I didn't I wasn't settled anywhere. Yeah. I'd left Carlisle where I'd loved and I just hadn't been enjoying it after that really and Probably didn't go to Barrow for the right reasons. It was just one of them that they were there at the time and, and they offered me 18 months, so I, I ended up going. Yeah, I mean, like, you did really well with Barrow. You hit the ground running. You played most of the games towards the second half of the season. But going into the next season, there was a couple of, like, injury haggles here and there. And you were on your way back to recovery in January. And on deadline day, uh, a man called Keith Millen uh, came knocking on behalf of a very desperate Carlisle United who had sunken quite far down since you'd left us. Um, and, and, and you came back and kind of saved us. Uh, so I appreciate that. Thanks very much. Uh, but it was one of those situations that very similar to what happened at Blackpool, where one manager brings you in and then a couple of weeks later, he's gone um, and another manager comes in. Now, the last time we spoke about Simo was your very early on in your career. You had a loan spell at Shrewsbury and you didn't necessarily leave things on the best of terms. Um, between then and this moment, had you guys had a chance to reconcile anything or were you very much sort of like, oh, crap, not again. I'm going to get frozen out. <laughs> um, No, it was... I obviously went to Carlisle on deadline day. That was a long, long day because I remember trying to. I remember speaking to to David Holdsworth about trying to get sorted. I was like, "Please get sorted." I ended up taking a lot le less money to go. I just wanted to go back to Carlisle to try and enjoy it again. Um, I remember going in. Uh, it was the night I think they played. I think I signed and. The next day they had Salford. Um, I went in, and I don't think I was Keith Millen signing. Me and Denno, me and Denno weren't signed by Keith Millen. I don't think. I think it was more David Holdsworth that signed me and Denno, okay. um, because we went in and he, he didn't really know what positions we played. It was one of them. He, <laughs> asked, he was asking us what positions and stuff like that. Um. Uh. And it just didn't... them up. <laughs> no, because it was a bit frustrating, really, because I thought it was one of them where I was going to come in and try basically help. I remember him pulling me in the office and just saying, "I need you to need you to have a go at the lads, and I need you to be experienced. They need they need experienced heads. Not have a go at the more sort of we're in a rut here. You need to 
I need your experience to try try help basically. Got but I wasn't job. able to do it on the pitch much. So it was a bit frustrating really. Um and we obviously had a few bad results. Me and Deno didn't really we didn't really play. And it was a weird day the day that Keith left because he was in for training. He took a meeting and then all of a sudden he was gone. It was he came in and said his goodbye is in a team meeting. He had done a team meeting and then all of a sudden we got told an hour later that we've got another team meeting that we had to hang around. So it was a strange day really. And then he came in, sort of said his goodbyes. Um listen, Keith was a really, really nice man. Um so it's never nice to see anyone lose the job. Um and then basically Gav came in and just said, Listen, I'm not sure what's happening. Um, you need to just stick around um and we'll let you know when when we know. So we'll organise a meeting for in an hour's time. So I remember the lads just sort of sitting around and and not knowing what's going on basically. And then we everyone's here in room was that different people are coming in. And then we had a meeting and the chairman came in with with Simo. Um <laughs> and I've just looked and I've thought, oh no. It's it's gonna be one of them again. Um <laughs> and I'll never Simo obviously he said his meeting. We were meant to be off on the Wednesday and he was like, I apologize, he can't basically can't be off tomorrow. We need to get to work ASAP really. Um and he just said, Dev, come and see me in my office. And I thought, oh, Oh. Literally in the oh. meeting, and I remember saying to the lads before, if Simo gets the job, because obviously we'd heard in that hour there was all different rumors and stuff like that, and I remember remember saying, if he gets the job, could be me. Like I remember falling out when I was younger. Yeah. So I literally just at the end of the meeting just said, "Dev, come and see me," and he walked out, and the lads have all just gone. Oh no! I had to just laugh and basically, and I'm like, I told you. So I remember going into his office, sat down, and he's just like, obviously, what happened before has happened. He said, "You you were young back then." I said, I just said to him, "Listen, I'm a completely different person. I'm not the person I was back then." He was like, "No, I followed your career since you had left. You've had a you've had a decent career." Um, he said, where are you? Basically, where are you with fitness-wise? I said, listen, I'm fit, but I'm not match fit. I've not played match minutes. He was basically just said to me, can you play Saturday? I said, of course, a million percent. Anyone that asked me to play, I'm, I'm ready to play. Um, so played on the Saturday. We got didn't look back, did we? I remember <laughs> we, played, we played the four games, and I, I think the first one was Orient away, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And we won, um, and then we played on the Tuesday night. Could have been Rochdale, all right. Played again. We won on the Saturday again. We won, and then we played the Saturday again, wasn't it? Northampton, um, and we won, but a dummy hamstring on that night, um, on the Saturday. So it was disappointing, but this when we got on. The relationship we had after that was was brilliant, <laughs> and it was just oh. one of them where he basically I was ruled out for maybe six weeks, which was, there wasn't long left of the season, 
and he just pulled me in and just said, I need you to stay around the lads. I need you to come on away trips. I need you to, to basically just be part of, of the lads. And I loved, I loved it to be honest. I love being part of the lot. You know what I'm like around the lads. I like having a laugh and, and keeping spirits high. And he just, he basically just said, I want you to do exactly what you've done when you're playing, obviously just without the playing side of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very conscious of the time. I know we're drifting, we've drifted over the hour mark. I'm not sure, like, I've got maybe about 15, 20 minutes worth of questions that if you want Perfect, to finish yeah. off this time. Cool, awesome. No, awesome. no, there's no, I'm in no rush. I'm cool. Nothing on today. It's my day off today. Oh, happy days. My day then. off of running today. <laughs> happy days then. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I don't know if the, I don't know if people could wait for another part four. Like, I think big, <laughs> Liam's taking the mick a bit. Like he's trying to extend, no he's trying to get adver- more advertisement money and that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Oh, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. So like, if we've got, a, if we've got a few more minutes, I'll take things back just a little bit. Um, Obviously when you did sign on the transfer deadline day, you signed with Toby Shaw Silver, Christian Dennis, Mitchell Roberts and Owen Windsor all signed yeah. on the same day. So it was a very busy day. You and Dennis, though, um, from my experience, you were thick as thieves, you were best of friends. Uh, do you remember anything that sort of like sparked that friendship off on the first day? Um, was it the fact not, that Millen didn't know where you were playing and you were and you both just sort of bonded together like this man's an idiot we like him but he's a bit of an idiot <laughs> not really it was one of them where we travelled together okay. um, we're around the same age we're both both as you say we're both thick as thieves really so we just got on basically we just got on we have the same wit we lived in the house together just one of them where we, we got on so still really close friends now and I know Garden was one of my close friends so no just one of them where luckily Simo put Deno in as well me and Deno played the same games and it just worked really I think like the difference between Simo and like maybe Millen's approach is that like when Simo came in, he knew what his best 11 were. He didn't care how fit they were. He didn't care if you'd not played 90 minutes like previously or whatever it was. It was the same with Dennis as well. He knew Dennis was the best striker that he had as his, at his disposal at that time. And the only way he was going to get fit is if he played some minutes. So he, he just he had to play them to get them fitter. I don't think he thought that he'd comfortably stay up as comfortably as he did. I thought it might he thought it might take you guys a little bit of time to sort of like, you know get back up to full fitness. But at the end of the day, he was proven right by just putting his best 11 out there consistently as often as he could, rather than worrying about fitness. It was, it was, you know, it was having the quality back on the pitch, basically consistently. Um, no, a million, million percent. I think, I think what is a massive, massive help when you're playing is the fans. With Simo back, the fans just seem to come back and there wasn't a negative thing around the club. It was literally, let's just get behind the lads and let's we need to stay in this league. And on the Saturday, we obviously had that support at Leighton Orient. And I think we'd done a huddle in front of them and we got a massive cheer after it. And I just sort of remember going back into the dressing room and I remember just saying, we need to keep keep going. Like, let's just keep building on this and we'll keep the fans on side. Because once the fans are on side, I... Carlisle, they're honestly a massive, massive help. And on the Tuesday, I'll never forget the Tuesday, we didn't touch the ball much against Rochdale. They just kept the ball. And I remember that you sometimes when that happens at Brunton Park, the fans let you know that they're not happy. That like the fans, we sort of just kept in our shape a little bit. 
didn't get much chances against us, but I remember at the half time, the fans let a big roar. And I think that was the difference where if it had been the previous week when Simo wasn't there, we would have got booed off. And some lads can go under when that happens. Yeah, it can proper get to you mentally when stuff like that happens and you don't want the ball as much and people are hiding a little bit. And it was the opposite. We got a massive cheer going in. And I remember Simo in the dressing room going, listen to there behind you, go out and you have them behind you and just go and win the game. And I remember Toby came on and scored that the goal. I think that was to make it 2-0 maybe. But we weren't great in them games that we won. We were just organised. I think Simo took it back to basics really and just organised us in a good shape and and just really, really hard to beat defensively and we'd, we'd nick a goal here and there and he, he walked miracles. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we did end, at the end of that season, we stayed up quite comfortably, which, you know, thank you and thank you to the rest of your teammates and thank you to Simo for be, all being a part of that because it was looking very doom and gloom for a while and there was a lot of Carlisle fans who worried. The, the conversations going around were, if we go down, we're going to struggle to go up. And that, that would be the same for anybody kind of thing if you go down. A million, million percent. I remember in the dressing room, we had a big argument. There was a massive argument at one stage in the dressing room just before Simo came in. I remember lads saying it. I remember we had Mark Howard, the keeper, experienced all the lads and we're like, we were trying to say it to the younger ones. If you get relegated, it's on your CV for life. You won't just leave and get another club so easily. I think some lads think that, oh, I've done all right. I'll be able to get another club. It doesn't work like that. And there was a massive argument and these things need to be said sometimes and I remember them said the big argument came in the next day and everything's squashed. Everything's done. You can't hold grudges in football. There's arguments every day in football. It's the way football is. Everybody wants to win. And if you don't want to win, you're in the wrong game. Well, talking about winning, obviously the following season, things picked up a hell of a lot for uh, for the team. And, um, you know, at the end of this season, sorry, we've stayed up and you've been offered a new deal. Uh, you've signed the new deal. But obviously when you're in contract negotiations, it's customary for the manager to maybe give you some targets or something to like sort of aim towards what he expects out of you next season. Did he did he set his targets on promotion or like what, what, was the, what were the conversations like around your uh, contract renewal? I didn't get one, did I? So I got one of them where I was invited back to train in pre-season. Yeah, it was right um, at the end of pre-season. So in the off-season, I got really ill. I was really ill. I'm skinny enough as it is, but I'd lost eight kilos in the off-season because anything I was eating, I was just getting... I don't know what happened to me in the summer. I was just went to a wedding in Spain and I was ill for the whole wedding. Had another wedding and I beat that. And I remember I rang Simo. Simo rang me on the... F- it was the first f- day I went to Ibiza. Mm-hmm. And I had a wedding there f- on the weekend. And I was coming back on the Sunday. And I think we were in on the Thursday. And I was on the phone to him on the Thursday or the Friday. And I was like... He'd only heard that I hadn't been well. And I explained what was up. And he was like... I was like... I basically said to him, I'm worried coming in. I said, because I'm trying to come back in to earn a contract. I said, and I've not been able to do, get up to total my fitness up and and stuff like that. And he just assured me, he was like, don't worry about it, just come in and we'll build your fitness up that way. And came in and we went, had a few games in the preseason. We went to Scotland for five days. That went well. I played 90 minutes up there. 
um, my fitness was going well, then, no, sorry, I came in and I had a, something in my calf after the first, first week. Um, so I missed the Penrith game in the preseason. And then I played the preseason games after that. And I done all right in the games, remember. Played against Kendall, done all right. I think I scored a couple in that. Played in the Walkington one. Went up to Scotland. I played 19 minutes up at Livingston. And then at the end of the week in Scotland, he pulled me and sort of offered me like a really reduced reduced contract. And he was like, listen, I understand this. If you don't want to take it, if you want to try somewhere else. And I was like, I'll take it. I said, mm-hmm. I-, I want to take it. So I remember coming back in then and sat down with him in his office. And I remember... I remember the meeting because I said it to him when we got promoted at Wembley I remember saying it to him we literally sat down and was like the way we ended the first time we're going to change it and make it get promoted and that'll be how we fix things sort of the relationship build the relationship back up I was like we'll get promoted and do it like I remember I just remember the conversation clear as day sat in front of him saying we finished on shit terms basically Let's fucking change the perception and let's have a have a right go at it and let's have a successful season basically. And I remember shaking his hand then, and that was it done. And then the week later was the season, and I remember getting ill, so I missed the first game of the season to your illness. Um, but yeah, basically that. It's it a weird brilliant. set of circumstances to sort of like, you know, be uh, technically released by the club, but then come back for the, the pre-season training and then earn yourself another contract with the same club. It's not the first time it's happened at Carlisle United. Um, they've allowed players to go off and try try and get deals at other clubs before. And then they've they've came back sort of like after the contracts have expired. Peter Murphy is basically who I'm talking about. Ernie had experience very similar to that. Um, but for what you did, I think that it really solidified the bond between the fans and you, basically. The fans' perception of you was that you wanted to be here, you know, and that really um, just increased your popularity. You're already a popular character around, you know, being the Irish lads, who everyone knows is up for a bit of fun and a bit of laugh and a bit of a crack. Um, but the fact that it's just, it's in black and white. He obviously really wants to be here. I think just like Made, made you a lot of people's favourite player, basically. You know, I've had a lot of lovely messages saying, like, Jamie's my favourite player and things like that. And I think that 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 really showed the fans that, you know, you're standing with us, so we're going to stand with you kind of thing through through these injuries and things like that. Um, like you said, you missed the first game of the following season, um, but we we hit the ground running. Carlisle started doing really well. Dennis started scoring loads of goals. Um, and it's it's difficult to get yourself back into a winning team. But you were in the rotation. You know, you, you had a couple of starts here and there. But it was, Simo wanted a bigger squad than what he inherited from Millen. So there was always going to be that kind of like rotation around the team. Do you think that rotation, you being a part of the, not necessarily the group that is going to play 40 games a season, um, but also you possessing the characteristics and the personality of somebody that really just wants to be there. That that just helps the chemistry um, within the squad because, you know, it, when players aren't playing, sometimes they can get a bit moody and grumpy and stuff about it. But when the players aren't playing and they're really happy to be there, then surely that's just going to help that the team dynamic. Yeah, I don't think... It wasn't the fact that I was happy not playing. 
Mm. It was the fact that we were training. Training was brilliant. We were winning games. So when you're winning games, as a player that is on the bench, all you can do is push that player in your position. Mm-hmm. And I had Mox and Callum, <laughs> arguably <laughs> probably two of two of our best players the whole season. So I was quite... I, I remember knocking on the manager's door or having a conversation with him and just being like, I can't knock at your door and say I want to play. I said, it's impossible. I said, they're doing so well. I said, all I can do is train me hardest every day, push them lads to know that if they do come out, that I can step in and be ready. I said, that's all I can do, basically. And I, and don't get me wrong, there was times where Callum would come off and Mox would come off and vice versa. And I would step in and, and help in, in any way I could, basically. And it was just, basically, I knew that they were the two lads that was in front of me. And they were, everyone knows how good they were. Yeah. So that was my role in the team, basically. And the lads, obviously, that weren't playing, and we had training sessions when it was just the lads that weren't playing, I was an older head that I needed to make sure the standards were set and, and push the lads on to make sure that if anyone does come out of the team, we were all ready to, to step in, which I think, I think everybody was. Anyone that went into the team, it didn't look like anyone was out of place or, or anyone struggled, really. And I think that's credit to... The Gav Skelton as well, and the way he pushed the players on. That that it's sort of the things that people don't see really is is the lads that don't play how hard they train to keep the fitness up for when they do get an opportunity to come in. Big example being Corey Whelan. Hmm. Excellent in the playoff games that he had to come in in Wembley when he came and he had to play. Anytime Corey had to play, he was he was excellent. Solid. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, and it, the professional he is showed that when he came into the team, he could last his 90 minutes or he he was always relied on. And I think that shows with him being probably voice skipper still, that the role yeah. that he plays. And I don't think people realise how, how much of an influence he has in, in the dressing room and how much he pushes players on and stuff like that. I don't, it's hard as an outsider seeing stuff like that. And it's only the players in the dressing room that realise how, how much players like that mean. And not only Corey does... There was loads of players like that, but I, I single out Corey because of obviously how well he did in the playoff games and, and the final and and just for the all-round person that he is, really. Yeah, I mean, we, Wheels always made an effort to talk to people um, and like I really I really liked him, you know, I, I, I really, I mean, I still really like him. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can tell why he's got that kind of like, he was, dif- he was different to Feeney, but um, just sort of like, in, I don't know, he had like a little bit of an aura about him. You know, he didn't have to be loud for exactly. people to want to listen to him. Like that kind of personality. Exactly. People gravitate towards him. Yeah. And that's an important exactly thing to that. have to have an anchor in the squad. Um, I, I think personalities in a squad are massive. Yeah. Massive. Having the and right balance. We had that perfect last year. You had some quiet lads, you had some loud lads, you had aggressive lads, you had just a mix of everything really. And it, it all it blended perfectly together. Yeah, and it, it it develops other characters. Like you look at like Gabriel Breeze now. Um, like when it's, I first met chalk him, and cheese, Gabe. Yeah, when I first chalk met him, cheese. quiet. And nowadays, it's like he'll have a crack. You know what I mean? Like he 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 he'll be a bit louder. You know, he'll he'll give it a shout. He'll have a joke with people. I think instances like last year when he was him and Mick Kelly, they were training with the lads that 
say the 11 that played on a Saturday or a Tuesday wouldn't train on a Monday or a Thursday and it'd be the lads that didn't. Mm-hmm. And it'd be it'd get proper tough in them sessions. And I think that has helped Gabe massively because there'd be times where Gabe is, Gabe is really, really quiet mm-hmm. and you'd be shouting at Gabe, like scream at us. If someone's not doing the job, tell them they're not doing the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I've gone in in pre-season and he's loud. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's come on a lot. He, he really has. And he's a really, really good goalkeeper. And I think he'll, he'll, he will be a really good goalkeeper. And I think he's still learning. But he's getting there. He's telling people to f, f off and <laughs> just being aggressive like you have to be when you're a goalkeeper. You can't be quiet being a goalkeeper because you need yeah. to organise in front. And he's, that's coming more and more. And I think yeah. people can see it more and more as well. Massively, massively big development. Now, obviously, I, I came in as a chef in December um, and the rumours were basically talking about setting standards. Uh, Simo was getting a bit fed up with the players going to a very well-known bakery that's just outside Brunton Park called Claire's Bakery. Um, and I just want to, because I've heard rumours what the final straw was. It might have had something to do with somebody buying an ice finger or something, or, or too many ice fingers or too many muffins and bringing them into the players' lounge and Simo being, this is a enough of this this is a bit ridiculous now um but what was the straw that broke the camel's back why why what 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 happened at Claire's for things to get changed you know midway through a season I think Simo just wanted us all eating together basically he wanted everybody exactly that Mm -hmm. I think he basically just wanted everybody eating together that was it Claire's we all love Claire's everyone knows how nice Claire's is yeah um but sometimes you go into Claire's and you can pick from a range of different things and sometimes it's not, let's say, the healthiest if you're getting a, a bacon sandwich or a sausage and bacon <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But, um, no, I think it was mainly just to get everybody sat eating together. Um, there's nothing better than when you go in from training and everyone's sitting together and having a laugh. Like you, you came in sometimes and we're all having a laugh and... We're giving you some shit. You're giving us some shit. It just brings everybody closer <laughs> together. It brings everybody closer together. Yeah, and I think I think that's one of Simo's best things is bringing everybody together. Yeah, I mean, like I I, I really love my time uh, at Carlisle United. I'm never gonna forget it. Um, it's something that's gonna. It was a very special experience for me. Um, I'm still sad that it's over now, but you know, we, we we've got to move on. I suppose. Uh, at least at least I've got you to console me. We're kind of in the same boat. <laughs> Yeah, we've all left now, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, as you say, it's we've, we all have that special memory together. We're all we're all part of that promotion together. And we'll all look back on that in years and, and have stories from them from this year. So, as you say, it's golden memories that live with you forever that you can tell your grandkids, your, any, any kids growing up, you can just, have them stories for them and you can sit in the pub when you're 70 telling them that you're a part of that yeah it is. it's what makes it special yeah it is it's what makes it really special it does make it really special now um your last game obviously it came against salford uh around i think it was like april uh time during that season that was your last 29th 29th of april (laughs) so far you're not not letting it go and i don't blame you (laughs) horrible Um, horrible time 
Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you've had that injury before. So I assume like the second it went, you knew exactly what kind of time you were looking at being off for. Like it all came down on you. You did take a couple of days away from the club to sort of like recuperate yourself, get, you know, exercise the demons that were maybe going around in your head, having that extra family support around you in that time off. Um, but who who was it that reached out to bring you back into the club? Or was it like just that enough time had gone by that you felt like it was right for you to step back in? Um, no one brought me back in really. It was more of a case that I had my operation on, so they obviously had the last game of the season away at Sutton, and then on the Monday, and then on the Tuesday, I was having my operation, so I couldn't really be in the club anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, until they played when did they play Bradford? Was that the they played Bradford on the Tuesday night? Was it? But the the first playoff leg, the first playoff, yeah, yeah. So I think Tuesday I went night. back back into the club maybe on the Friday or the Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think before the game anyway. It could have been a couple of days before, and then for the return leg, I was in every day basically. But it was hard because I was on crutches and I was in my knee brace, so I was on pain stuff, all stuff like that. So I couldn't really drive, and it was tough getting in. Um. So, yeah, it was just one of them, basically, that I could get in when I could because mm-hmm. with me living in Manchester and stuff, I couldn't drive up and drive back, so it was tough. But I just remember having a chat with the manager. Literally, every day, one of the lads would ring or a staff member would ring just to see how I was, and it it meant a lot, really, and it, I'll never forget it, really. So it was sad times, but... Good times at the same time, really. Yeah, I mean, like the, you've got some great photos at the at the Bradford when we won uh, on, on your crutches on top of the dugout. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna stick with you for a while. That's gonna stick with everybody uh, for a while. Um, I mean, just what was that moment like? You know, that when the winning goal went in, when the fans are sort of like approaching and getting onto the pitch and stuff. Like, are you are you similar to like the the paddock and the way that you sort of like get off, get off, wait for the final whistle, or are you just buzzing? Are you just absolutely buzzing at that point? No, at the time, I think people encroached the pitch before the whistle had gone. Yeah. And we were all on the bench going, get the, get off. <laughs> it's not finished. Please just get off. Because obviously we were, we were a nervous yeah. wreck anyway. On the bench, <laughs> we were nervous as, as I, I was more nervous. Sorry. I was more Sorry. nervous watching. Honestly, me and Morgan sat and we were... We were shaking. We were so nervous. Um, but that was sort of... Them few days was sort of the first few days that I was able to move more on me crutches and me brace. So it was like I was still in a lot of pain. But when that whistle went, all I wanted to do was just run onto the pitch. And it was <laughs> it was just emotional, really, seeing seeing where we were 12 months ago to seeing, to seeing that. It was just... It was just emotional, basically, and it was so good to see. Honestly, the, I'll never forget it. Honestly, just stood there, and it was emotional, really. And You even get emotional now thinking about it, but it was brilliant. Honestly, yeah. the scenes in the dressing room after, I remember sat down, and you just, you just wanted to cry, basically. You looked at Ben. Basically, you looked at Ben Barkley. Oh, you just wanted, man, you just wanted to give him a world. hug. Yeah, you just wanted to give him a hug, and everybody gave him a hug, and it was sad, but 
had to be celebrated at the same time of you've done you've got us that goal has got us into this final so enjoy it don't think about next week or anything like that let's just enjoy what you've done now and and I'm sure everyone's seen the videos of the dressing room and the celebration and stuff it was honestly it was it was unbelievable I mean, like when you when you watch when you watch the goal back from Barkley and obviously he wheels away and he celebrates. There is there is a moment you see his expression change. There is a moment where you see the sort of like reality kind of hit him that he's not going to be playing in the final, and like it breaks your heart. Like to, to it watch does. it, like it absolutely breaks your heart to watch it. It um, does because like, it's not often that you get to play at Wembley, and I think did, did you get free license was... after that just to you know maybe get on it a bit? <laughs> not really. It's one of them where. I think he knew his season. His season's obviously finishing, but Ben's the same as me. We just had a chat and we just said, let's just be there for the lads. Let's just let's just be with them all the way and, and be there for the support. And Ben still trained all that week and trained properly like he does and and been a good pro like he is. So it wasn't like we could just down tilt. We had to be have to be every single person had to be there to help. Yeah. The lads that were going to get us promoted, basically. It wasn't just the 11 on the pitch that were going to get us promoted. It was the seven subs. It was the lads that weren't involved, the lads that were injured. Everybody as a team making us be successful on that day. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, getting themselves down to Wembley, that whole experience, um, did work. We're always the underdog at Wembley. We've never Carlisle United have never been to Wembley and been the favourites. We're always the underdog, which means we've always way, lost as the underdog and we always win as the underdog. So we've got, you know, 100% records in either way. Exactly. It is the best way to be. Um, do you do you feel that from the inside? Do you ever call... Do like, do, do, does a football team ever call itself the underdog? Never. I remember the gaffer had his interview, or not his interview, he had a speech after the game. And he said, we're going down there and we're going to win. Yeah, he, he, he just had in his head, we're going to win. And I think all the lads had in their head, they're going to win. There wasn't any time we doubted anything. We Obviously, we we lived in the house around the corner. There was me, Daniel, Corey and Joel in the same room. And Barks had been come down all the time. And we used to sit there throughout the season saying, what, what we're going to get to Wembley or what we're going to do with those are we just have chats all the time in the room of how we're going to party, how we're going to celebrate, <laughs> where we're going to go on holiday, all <laughs> stuff like that. And we had all these, honestly, we'd be up till probably one o'clock in the morning talking about everything. Let's just get it done. Let's just do this. Let's just do that. It'll be, honestly, we just had that belief in the squad. Anytime we'd lose a game, it was like, we won't lose another one. Basically, just we'll bounce back as quick as possible, and and I think going to Wembley were one 0 down, but we knew we knew it wasn't going to stay one 0 I remember at half time, Jeff telling me he, go get in the dressing room. He said the lads need you in the dressing room. Go in, get around them, say things to them or whatever. I remember going in, not one of them was heads down. Everyone was full of belief, and going out for that second half, there was only. There was only one team that was going to win it. Um, the only thing I wish what would have happened was Denos header went in. That was yeah. the only thing I wish had happened in the extra time <laughs> Denos header went in because after yeah. the season that he had, he deserved that that moment really for him. But 
obviously being on penalties, it was the best the best way to do it. But it's never nice seeing the opposition on the floor after the hard season they had gone through as well. It, w- it wasn't nice seeing that, but obviously that's football and there has to be a, a winner and a loser. And luckily it was us, but it wasn't nice seeing seeing them obviously the way they were. No, I mean, like, look, looking back, obviously, you can say that, but in the moment, like, you really, oh, you're the, in yeah, the, moment, the moment, aren't you? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> million percent. In the moment, you're in the moment. There's the best video ever is in the moment of, so Mason, someone off Mason's football team, his his dad brought him down to watch the game, and he's he's videoing me when Taylor's taking his last pen. <laughs> um, and I'm stood with Morgan and Jack Ellis, I think it is. And obviously, the penalty's gone in, but I've ditched my crutches by now. The crutches are gone. <laughs> And um, so I've just got my leg brace on. I'll have to send a video to you. I'm just having my leg brace on and the penalty goes in and I'm just off, but I'm just hobbling. And Jack Arm was <laughs> running to the fans and he runs, literally just runs past me a little bit, realises, comes back, picks me up and just runs down. We're running down <laughs> to the fans and he's got me in his arms. Um, Honestly, memories. Un- <laughs> unbelievable. Honestly, brilliant. Um. Yeah, unbel- honestly, emotional memories, brilliant memories. The only regret basically is we weren't allowed to go up on the up the steps of Wembley. So the lads that weren't in the squad or the lads that were injured weren't allowed to go up, which I think is yeah. a stupid rule. No, I think that's the horrible. Of, the likes of Ben, who's obviously played in the semis, mm-hmm. misses the final through, obviously playing his parent team, wasn't allowed to go up the steps. It was There was Morgan, who was obviously the team captain, so he went up. But I think it's a stupid rule. Because obviously, yeah. you could have somebody that's played every game and misses the final through an injury and, and not let go up and and lift the trophy. I think it's a you it's just see, obviously um, you could see Colin the kit man on on the pitch, like literally consoling a few people as well. Yeah. like you know you, you're looking up there and it's like how as a part of that I've been here all year. Do you it was know emotional I mean? like, looking up, just, sort of thinking it's sad yeah. that that's your teammates up there and you weren't allowed to go up and and have yeah. that moment with them. But even the lads that were involved they were trying to get us up and it just wasn't Wembley wouldn't allow it it was it was a nice but it was amazing to watch the lads lift the trophy and and have that celebration but it would have been nice as all because of how close we were it was a tight knit group it would have been nice for everybody it's a stupid rule. It's a stupid rule. But you guys partied on uh, at the Hilton oh, that we? night all <laughs> the way through until the morning, then carried on in walkabout uh, the next day. The videos are still uh, getting reposted on all kinds of different uh, Carlisle fan pages. Uh, the amazing. weekend in paradise is going to be uh, forever anthem for the club. Um, but, mate, you made a fantastically heartfelt statement um, when when it all came to fruition that you weren't going to be offered a new deal and you'd be leaving, you'd be departing the club. Um, and obviously, you know, it's it's difficult to 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 write those statements. Not every player can. Um, so, like, what was it that kind of like just prompted you to think that this is this is the best way to do it? Um. So obviously, we had the night in Walkerville. It was unbelievable. Honestly, <laughs> it was. One, probably the best night that we had. It was brilliant. Remember, just a quick one on the, the walkabout. It was about two o'clock in the morning and the, the bouncer's come up to me and he's gone, um, there's three or four kids outside. About There must be about 10 or 11, obviously. like They're not allowed in. Yeah. Um, kind of few of you come out to them. Um, they heard you were here. Thing. 
every single one of the lads went out. Oh. And um, there's videos going around. There's videos going around social media. Lads on, they're on the shoulders, and we're getting all of <laughs> them to give us a song each. The lads are only eleven and twelve, but I think they were all past the bedtime anyway. And I think they snuck we had, out. Aye. We had a few songs. They were vaping away, and we were giving out to them over that. Um, <laughs> we were like, we need to put, we need to put them in a taxi after that. So, but it was honestly, it just brought the city together. Really. It was unbelievable, but then obviously the next day was sort of basically a reality check because it was the contract talks. So you've gone from the highs of the Wembley from Sunday, Monday, celebrating to Tuesday, having them talks. Um, and it's it's never, ever, it's a horrible, it's basically, it's horrible. You can't explain the feeling that you get of doing it. I sort of knew what was coming. I'd spoke to Simo before, so I knew I knew what was coming anyway, so it was just a quick one for me. But it was one of them. It was emotional because there was people in the stadium that you were saying goodbye to. I remember just at any any time it was saying goodbye, it was like a lump. It was it was horrible, really. Um, I remember Andy and Amy saying, "Do you want to do an interview?" And I was like, "I can't." No, I was like, "I can't." I phys- physically, I can't. I wouldn't have been able to do it. I was like, "Is it all right if I just write some words, send it to you, and then?" If you can stick the picture of me at Wembley with the trophy next to the words, if you can just do that for me, please. So I remember sitting down, um, and I think the missus took the kids out. Or they were out or something. They were probably in school or something. And I sat and tried doing it. It must have took me about four or five hours. To, I didn't know what to say, basically. It was... I didn't I honestly didn't know what to say because I didn't know at that time what I wanted to do myself. I didn't know whether that was going to be it or, or it. So it was... It was just what I wrote down and I just sent it to Amy and I said, could you put the picture next to her? And she sent it back to me and then that was it. And the messages that I received, I couldn't, literally couldn't read the messages. I remember Mrs. saying to me, you need to read the messages. They're really, really nice messages. I was like, I can't. Honestly, couldn't read them until probably about, well, probably about three or four weeks ago, five weeks ago maybe is when I yeah. read the messages. You c- and then you're just reading them and just puts a smile on your face. You get emotional and just one of them things. I remember there's a special fan of Carlisle that I'll be friends with for life. He's he's called Matty. He's um he has a disability, but he's I get on so well with him. I speak to his mum once a week, twice a week, just asking how he is. She texts me how I am. Matty's asking for you this and that. Um, yeah. he sent me a, he wrote me a letter. And it was only last week I was able to read the letter. Um, and he's got, he'll has got be my friend. Every time I go up, I'll see him. Um, it's people like that that make a football club special. And yeah. He's listening. It's, it's, um, he does. He listens. I, I, every now and again, he, he, he'll give me a message or something after a game uh, for a little bit of match reaction or something. I always have a little message with him every now and again. He's ah, a brilliant. Man. He's a yeah, no, Matty and his mum, brilliant, yeah. Yeah. I still speak listening. to them now. I still speak to them now. Yeah. Um, and I'll see them when I go to watch the games. I'll see them and and have a catch up and stuff like that. He's. I remember, I was at when I was at Barrow. A steward came over to me and I wasn't play. I wasn't playing for Barrow against Carlisle. Um, I was there to watch, and a steward came over to me and asked if I could go over and see a fan. I was like, yeah, like I didn't know who it was at the time, and it was Matty. Um, and he'd remember me obviously from the time I was there before. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just little things like that 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 mean that mean a lot. Like so, Matty will always be one of my close friends, and and I, I'll always speak to him. So it's good. Yeah. But yeah, I could um, only I could only read his letter about four weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, like like you said, you've had a chance to sort of like reconcile with Haggis um, after after you, you know you, you left him off your little speech kind of thing, and he gave you a bit of crap for it as well. Um, but mate, thank you. Thank you. You know what I mean? That statement was thanking us. I just want to say thank you for all your time. We've split it into a free part. This this third part's turned into a monster. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, there's going to be more for us in the future. Um, obviously, we want you back in as often as we can to come and have a crack. The lads are desperate to meet you, um, like the other co-hosts and stuff that I have. They're desperate to sort of say hello. Um, so I'm sure we'll be able to come up with some kind of fun Christmas party special thing where we'll just play some games Definitely, and not yeah, put sound. you on the spot. I just want to say, mate, um, all the best. Like honestly, going going forward, I'm sure that phone's going to ring for you. Um, it's it's I only a matter so. of time. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter <laughs> no, of time. To be fair, Carlisle have been brilliant. I've been in with them. Physio yeah. Chris has been unbelievable with his help, and I'm getting seeing the final stages now of. Just basically, just getting that fitness up to to get back into training the next probably week or two, conjoining a little bit in training. So, and then by the end of the month, I'll be fully in training. So I'm ready to go, really. So I can't thank Carlo enough for for helping me get through the injury and stuff like that. So it's been it's been brilliant. You seem genuinely keen and positive to get back out on the pitch, mate. Oh, you I really can't, do. Honestly, because I've been doing a little bit of stuff for Carlo, I've been going to like watch some games and stuff like that. It's given me such the hunger to get back out on the pitch. Is it, to be, do you know what? It was really tough on Saturday seeing the first game of the season, just having to be able not to be involved. And it's the first time mm. I've not been since I was 16, 17. So it was a horrible, horrible day. But I, as my missus said to me, your opening day of the season can be in four or five weeks when when you're somewhere else. So I just need to think, think to that, really. It's my pre season at the minute. So. Well, that's it. Just that's it. Thinking mate. of that, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get. We'll, we'll have to get an update off you when you eventually do sign wherever you end up signing, even if it's on the other side of the world in a place that's oil rich or or wherever it ends up. <laughs> oh, wherever God. it ends up being, mate. Wherever it ends up being. Uh, but <laughs> but for now, man. Uh, like I said, I really appreciate your time. I want to say thank you to you. Thank you to the listeners that have been downloading all of these episodes. Um, thank you to DJ Dubsy, who's done the new theme tune for us as well. His link will be in the description yeah, below. Very it's good, good isn't it? Yeah. He's yeah, a good dead, DJ. Dead, yeah. yeah, he's a good lad. He's a good lad. Um, and yeah, I mean, there isn't really a whole lot more for us to do apart from wish you, sir, all the best going forward. And for us to say bye for now. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.